Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. So if you don't know, the saga behind Sam Altman's departure from OpenAI has been a bit of a whirlwind these past couple days, but his involvement in the crypto project Tools for Humanity, the team building WorldCoin, has remained uninterrupted, a source close to the matter told TechCrunch. Sam has a, quote, consistent and valuable level of engagement with Tools for Humanity, and that is not expected to change, the source said, adding that he's still the chairman and co-founder of the project. The WorldCoin token initially fell over 13% after the news that Altman was fired from OpenAI on Friday. Since then, there has been numerous talks about whether or not the former OpenAI CEO will return to the company, and the token has recovered a bit since then, but a lot of things are still up in the air. Given that OpenAI is the talk of town recently, we thought it would be a great idea to resurface this episode for you guys and give listeners a chance to get a refresher on WorldCoin. Hope you enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Tiago Sada, head of product for Tools for Humanity and core contributor to WorldCoin. Tools for Humanity is the team building WorldCoin, and they raised $115 million in a Series C round back in May with investors like Blockchain Capital, A16Z, Bain Capital Crypto, and others. In March 2022, WorldCoin raised $100 million at a $3 billion valuation. The project was co-founded by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman with a three-part mission to one, create a global ID, two, create a global currency, and three, an app that enables payments, purchases, and transfers with its token, which we will get to in a bit. WorldCoin has been on a bit of a world tour, pun intended, since April, hitting major cities like Tokyo, Miami, New York City, and even San Francisco, which is where we're recording from as well. It has gone to countries like Kenya, India, and China, to name a few off the top of my head. Anyways, there's lots to talk about. Tiago, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Yeah. So let's start with the orb. You guys can't see this, but we have the orb here on the table. It's like a silver, shiny, bowling ball-sized object, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is used to scan your eyes and get you into a database? Yeah. So basically, the orb is very similar to what Apple has now added to mm. uh, their new reality Pro headset. It does two things. First of all, it looks at your face to make sure that you're a real person that is alive, that isn't trying to cheat. And then it uses an optic verification to make sure that you're a unique person, that you only sign up once and verify that. The really cool thing about it is that it can do all that processing locally without any personal data having to leave the device mm -hmm. other than something that's called an iris code. And that is what we use to make sure that you only verify one world ID. Okay. And what can the iris code then be used for? So the iris code is used to make sure that you don't then go to another orb and get a new world <laughs> okay. ID, right? And so that's that's essentially There's what it can be used you. for. Yeah. Uh, and you actually never use it again. When mm -hmm. you go around, you get this thing that's called a world ID. It's like a digital passport. And so you'll go around on the internet and you can sign into websites to prove that you're a person in an anonymous way, very similar to what Apple now does since iOS 14. And so it generates like these disposable IDs and you can be proving around the internet that you're a real person and you can do cool stuff like verify accounts or claim promotions mm -hmm. or things like that uh, without revealing who you are. Okay, this might sound silly, but like, what if you don't have eyes? 
Yeah. Is there other ways to scan with the orb? Yeah. So the protocol actually supports a bunch of types of verifications. Today, mm-hmm. for example, we also support phone number verification. And there's a whole set of different types of verifications of different ways of showing that you're a person. The orb is just like the ultimate way of showing that. Okay. And so, yeah, the idea is that it should be like super inclusive. Okay. I did not know that about the phone. Yeah. So as you know, millions of people have signed up for this already. But there's also a lot of skeptics out there. I'm sure you know this. I see the promise in it, but I also see like the concern about privacy or just sharing your eye data or biometrics, as you call it, biodata. Yeah, like an optic check. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say in response to that? I'm sure you get this question all the time. Yeah, I would say like that's super healthy and like it's, <laughs> to be skeptical, I mean, it, yeah. of course, right? <laughs> there's like this shiny ball and you hear that it's going to verify that you're a real person, right? Like you should understand what's happening. And so we work a ton with like whether it's people in the industry, nonprofits, governments that like want to understand it deeply. We're like super excited by where things are at with the privacy But I think it's super healthy for people to be skeptical. And at the same time, we have seen a ton of adoption, right? I would say when we first started going out, we were expecting a lot more skepticism, but people just are like really, really excited by it. The orb, as you say, looks really cool. It's like this this sphere because it's meant to represent the planet. It actually, where the two halves come together, that's at the exact same angle as the earth. And people love it. People love signing up. They're like super used to it. It's very similar to like face ID. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very healthy that some people uh, want to understand more about it. And then going back to what we kind of talked about before on the front of privacy. So when I scan my eyes with this, or if someone does, what do you do with the data? Like, can people buy it off of you guys? You said we could use it to like log into websites. Kind of walk me through what that looks like. Yeah, that's super, super important to understand because by default, no data other than that iris code needs to leave the orb, right? Mm -hmm. It actually doesn't even get stored locally on the orb. It never touches its storage. It just gets processed. There's eight neural networks on this device that run. Uh, It's like super advanced AI that is able to check that you're a real person, that Mm -hmm. is alive, that isn't trying to cheat. And then it generates that iris code. Now, when you sign up, you actually have the option of saying, hey, I want to uh, share some of my data to help improve the protocol to make it more inclusive and secure. You can do that and then some more data will leave the orb. You can change your mind at any point in time and go in the settings on the app and press delete. Most people choose to not do that, and that's totally fine. As long as you don't enable that, your data doesn't have to live here, and it just gets deleted immediately. Now, the reason we're able to do that is because imagine your wallet is like a passport, right? And what the orb does is it just like stamps it as verified, right? And so we use biometrics to decide whether to stamp or not. But then what you go around using on the internet is this anonymous passport that is not connected to your biometrics. So maybe that might be a follow-up or partially answering the question I'm about to ask, but why can't I just use what I use today to prove that I'm a human online? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, those little puzzles where I put the puzzle piece in or I prove that, you know, there's a traffic cone in this, you know, the square when it asked me to like identify all the traffic cones. Yeah. Like, are those not enough anymore? Yeah. Well, things are getting really crazy, right? With AI. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, you can see it with Twitter, right? Like they're trying the $8 a month thing. Other companies are trying to verify your passport. Like everyone's trying to do something else because Already today, it's really, really hard to know what is a human and what is not. And the more that artificial intelligence advances, and especially over the next five years, it'll just become exponentially more difficult 
to tell humans apart. And at the same time, it's becoming more and more important, right? We have elections in 80% of the democracies next year. And I think this will become a really big talking point, right? How do we know who is saying that? Is this real people or is this bots saying things? And so it just becomes a really important problem, but a really, really difficult problem because now any program can solve these CAPTCHA things that no one could before. Do you think this would be used in the future for voting registration and like proof when you go to like the voting booths and stuff in the U.S. or anywhere across the world? Yeah, so you can definitely use a protocol to make sure that each person only votes one while preserving an anonymity. I think that governmental elections is a long way to go. But you can actually start seeing whether it's, for example, what is a simpler way of voting? It might be like rating on Amazon, right? Like, do you do like one to five stars and you don't want to have a bunch of fake reviews there? That you can definitely do. And then gradually you can start using it for more and more serious voting applications until eventually you could for sure use it for elections Mm -hmm. to preserve the integrity of things like that. Are there websites that are using WorldCoin now? to verify humans? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we just launched about a month and a half ago. We've also launched an SDK for developers to use. There's a bunch of companies that have started playing with this. Today we have, for example, one integration live with Discord. And so any Discord server can install a plugin that allows moderators to assign a roles to real humans, right? And so they can say, okay, this channel, only verified people can type, right? Or if you get banned, you cannot join again because that's a really big problem on Discord. It is a big problem. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. And so yeah. the world going Discord is actually one of the first ones that has adopted this, but any Discord server can do that. And so over the next few weeks and months and definitely years, we expect to see a lot more companies announce integrations with World ID. Okay. Any other companies you could give us hints on? Yeah. Types of companies? <laughs> well, the only other one I would I would say right now is there's this company called Auth0 from Okta. A lot of consumers might not know it, but Auth0 is actually when you go on a website and it says signing with Google or signing with Facebook, that's powered by a company called Auth0. For example, even ChatGPT uses that. And so what we did was uh, we built an integration where now any website, and there's thousands of websites in the world that support Auth0, they can now just flip a switch and they can now have signing with WorldCoin on their website. We are just now starting to let those, all of those websites, and without them having to do any type of development work or understanding the really advanced cryptography that preserves your privacy, they can just flip a switch and support signing with WorldCoin. And so that's a partnership that I'm super excited about. Okay, cool. And how many people have signed up for WorldCoin to date? Do you know the exact number by chance? Yeah, so I think it's around 2.3 million users. You can actually go on the app and see it live going up. Last time I checked, I think it was like something like 2.3 million users. Uh, That is people that have gotten verified in an orb. Uh, I think somewhere around 4 million people in total have downloaded the app and have maybe a lower level of verification world ID, like with phone number or might be using the wallet. Mm. But actually people that have visited the orb is 2.3 million. And they need to visit the orb in order to be fully like integrated with WorldCoin, right? Yes, right now that is the case, yes. So the 2.3 are people who have gotten their eye scanned in person with this orb. Yeah, yeah, they've gone through the full orb verification, yeah. Wow. In, in more than like 30 countries. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's like all over the place. For example, in Portugal, more than 1% of the population has already signed up to WorldCoin. And so there's, uh, we're starting to see some like real traction all over the world. Which yeah, is really I was going to ask, where are the most signups? Mm-hmm. Would yeah. it be Portugal? That's actually interesting. In terms of, I don't know off the top of my head what is the top country. We have... During the large portion of the beta, we focused on four key markets. It was Buenos Aires in Argentina, Nairobi in Kenya, Lisbon in Portugal, and Bangalore in India. And so there was quite a few orbs on all four of those. Now, since the launch, we've started, like you said, this orb tour where we're taking a bunch more orbs to a bunch more countries. And so, for example, recently, Japan, they're like super excited about the orb there. Chile is actually growing really, really fast. We just crossed 200,000 verifications in Chile. Mm -hmm. So all over the place. Cool. And what made you decide to focus on those places specifically to begin with? 
So when Rollcoin first started, we only had about like 10 orbs and we were traveling around the world everywhere to just like see how we work in different parts, right? How we would work in cold weather and hot weather and in places with fast internet and low internet. And so we went to as many places as we could and we saw certain archetypes, certain types of cities. And what we did for the second stage was we said, okay, rather than going with a little bit of orbs to many places, now that we have a lot more orbs, let's just focus on each of these four type of archetypes that we saw and choose one city for each of those. And that's why we chose Argentina, was like Latam, it was a certain type of demographics, same thing with like Lisbon, same thing with Nairobi. And so we knew that if we were able to make the project work in these four markets, we could make it work anywhere in the world. And so that's why we focus on those during the beta phase. And now now that we're actually launched, now it's okay, let's go as broad as possible to be as inclusive as possible. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I'm sure you've heard this before, but there have been some arguments that WorldCoin has targeted third world countries in exchange for money for their irises and whatnot. And the company also initially, allegedly ignored initial orders to stop iris scans in Kenya. And then you guys paused it earlier in August. I saw the CEO's tweet but then apparently the U.S. recently blocked the arrest of your CEO in Kenya. So can you kind of like tell me about that or what the situation is? Yeah, it's 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 really funny to hear fake news in, in 2023. But yeah, okay. no executives were arrested in Kenya. Okay. Generally speaking. So where do you think that came from? That was just. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's just probably broken telephone or something like that. Okay, but yeah. um, what I would say is like WorldCoin is for everyone, right? And so I would say that. Most projects, especially whether it's crypto or just in general in tech, they focus on emerging markets because those are the, on developed markets, sorry, because those are the most, uh, the easier ones to operate in, right? Even the mission of WorldCoin, it's super important that it's for everyone. And so there is a misconception that it is for developing countries, but I would say it's definitely for developing countries, like in Mexico, where I'm from, right? And so you do have a bunch of locals like myself trying to fix problems that we see in our in our local countries, because at the end of the day, more than half the population of the world doesn't have any ideas that you can use digitally, right? Now, I would say it's very different to say that we're also for developing countries rather than just for developing countries. Mm -hmm. And so I'm personally super excited about the fact that we are inclusive like that. It's definitely much harder. I can tell you that supporting really old phones or being able to support low bandwidth. Life would be a lot easier to just be operating in Manhattan, but that's not what the mission is about, right? And so we want to go as broad as possible. All right. Okay. So I just want to confirm the U.S. did not block the arrest of your CEO in Kenya. No. Yeah. No one was, uh, no executive was detained in Kenya. Okay. I don't, I don't really have much information about and that. And then the company did not ignore orders to stop iris scans in Kenya or that was initially the situation? Yeah, so we've always complied with governments when they make specific requests. I'd say it's important to clarify in the case of Kenya. In the case of Kenya, you in some countries, you require licenses to operate services like this. In Kenya, we got that permission from the data... The institution. The data institution. Yeah, it's a different name in each country, so it's difficult to keep track of all right. their names. But we have that permission. At some point, the government asked us to pause given the huge demand that they were seeing, we think it's like supernatural so they could review again and we paused as soon as they requested that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the exact timelines off the top of my head, but every time anyone has asked to, to review, we've definitely complied with that. And I think it's also very important to state that in Kenya, we have the licenses mm -hmm. uh, required to operate. We're simply complying with this pause right now because the government wants to take another look and we think that's super healthy. Yeah, for sure. Do you think they're going to like restart that or the pause is indefinite? I think that's, that's a great question for the Kenyan government. Okay, fair enough. Kind of going off of all of that, obviously, there's challenges to any new tech adoption and so on. What do you find are like the biggest challenges today for WorldCoin slash Tools for Humanity in creating this like global currency, the ID and the overall company? 
You yeah. have to appeal to so many different markets and regions. Yeah, well, I think definitely for a long time, it was a challenge, right? Being able to build something that can work for everyone. I would say now as we're starting to scale, we see that we've been able to do that. And that's really exciting. Another really difficult problem was whether it's crypto or world ID, like these are like really advanced things that like we geek out about and like the crypto community geeks out about, but just right. making that simple enough for normal people to use and useful enough in their day-to-day lives, that was a bit tricky. And so originally we only wanted to build the token and the ID. The reason we built as well the app, Tools for Humanity, which is World App, is because we wanted to show the world what a super simple version of crypto and of World ID could look like so that normal people could use it, right? And so a lot of this comes out not just to the technology, but to making the technology understandable and useful for for normal people. And we put a ton of work and, and love into that. Yeah, definitely. So the company was founded, co-founded by Sam Altman, right? So where does chat GBT and OpenAI fit into all of this? Does it fit into this or is it just like a separate entity that, hey, he also founded this? Yeah, well, the whole reason WorldCoin was started, right, was not just because of what we think it can do for the world today, but because how we see the world is changing, right? And so back then, Sam saw that advanced AI models were coming a lot faster than people expected. And that comes with new questions, right? You have to be able to distinguish bots from humans online. You have to be able to distribute all of the economic wealth that is unlocked by AI systems. You probably want to start thinking about how to decentralize governance of AI systems, but it's really difficult to have a digital democracy, right? And so when you think about it, WorldCoin is set up so that it solves all of those problems. Mm -hmm. And so that, I would say, is the biggest connection. OpenAI is a really cool company, definitely pushing the envelope, but it's one more company pushing AI forward. And so Sam, seeing where OpenAI and other companies were going, uh, he saw the need for something like WorldCoin. And not just the need for it, because I would say something like WorldCoin will exist. What we hope is that it exists in a way that does that preserves privacy, that is decentralized, that is open source, rather than by a private company that is going to be storing all your data, right? Everything at WorldCoin is self-custodial, or by a government that is going to be collecting all data and be policing its citizens. We believe that it doesn't just need to happen, it needs to happen in a certain way for us to be happy with the world. Yeah. And as the head of product, Tiago, are there other opportunities for more products to be released in the near term, long term? What does it kind of look like for you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, I, we're, we're definitely just starting to roll out this, this space. The orb, I would yeah. say, <laughs> I would say the, the current products that we have right now are already world changing. And now it's just a matter of scaling them, right? Mm-hmm. Like any network, it becomes more useful the more people join it. If you can imagine like Facebook is a lot more useful with like 50 million users it, yeah. than with like 5,000 users, right? Yeah. And so all of our focus is making sure It's just figuring out how we get these current products into the hands of as many people as possible. Now, whether it's on the app or on World ID, there's definitely long roadmaps, right? I'll give you an example. For example, on World ID, today, to use it, you just need to show that you have a World ID, right? But if I lend you my World ID, you can use that. And that's like good enough for certain apps, right? If I want to verify my Twitter account, that's more than fine. But if I want to take out a loan, you probably don't want you taking a loan in my name, even if I lent you my ID. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're working on we've been working on for more than a year is users will be able to almost like a face ID on their app when they're trying to use their wall ID. If it's like a high risk action, they'll like take a selfie and then locally on their phone without any data having to leave, we will make sure, okay, yeah, this is the same person who, who this wall ID belongs to. And so just things like that to continue maturing the ID, make it more powerful, make it more secure, make it more private. That is what we will be focused on alongside just getting it to as many people as possible. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys do. Tiago, if there's one thing you want to get across to our listeners or a piece of advice that you'd like to leave us with, what would that be? 
What I would say is the age of AI is upon us. Something like WorldCoin will exist. I know it sounds super counterintuitive, but the project is not just private. It is the most private way to go things. It's not just decentralized. It's the most decentralized way to go about solving this problem. And so I would invite people to understand the problem. Look at WorldCoin. If you're curious, you can go on worldcoin.org, learn more about it. And yeah, I'm super excited to see what this new age brings us in the next few years. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk today. Likewise. Super excited. We'll be back next week with conversations around what's going on in the wild world of Web3 with top players in the crypto ecosystem. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and stories we talked about can be found in our show notes. And be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Jacqueline Melanick, and produced by Maggie Stamets, with assistance from Yashad Kulkarni and editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks for listening in. See you next time.